this afternoon we are in conversation with three incredible artists, creators, uh, people who hold space for a continuing discourse on freedoms and identity and how that sort of correlates and relates to all things artistic. Um, and I think before we go any further, it's always good to have context of who's in the room physically holding the space mm -hmm. this afternoon. So maybe let me start with you, Boitumelo, by way of introduction and context. Hi, I am Boitumelo Mankosu, all the way from Potsdam, German, the Northwest, but I'm currently based in Johannesburg right now. I'm an art curator, writer, and a cultural activist, if I can call it that way. So that is me. Awesome. Hi, my name is Amukhelang Biladitali. I'm a visual artist. Uh, I actually consider myself a multidisciplinary artist because I'm also in the performance space. I design programs and projects that particularly speak to the empowerment that many artists require. Um, I'm, I grew up in Pretoria, but currently based in the Northwest province. So I'm guessing I'm the only one from Limpopo here. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, I work at Constitution Hill. Uh, I do two things there, right? So I do the exhibitions and events. And I don't know if you know, there's a building down on Tucson Hancock called the Creative Hub. So what I do there is I coordinate the programs that happen there for creatives who are there. So this is everyone from fashion, music, so anything in the creative sector. So that's my job. So I would say I manage creative communities and institutions. I'm really interested in that, actually. I guess for our conversation today, uh, you know, we're looking at sort of those intersections between art and freedom, as well as identity. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess because all of us convened in the room are Black, mm -hmm. how does that sort of play itself with Blackness um, and the Black lived experience, obviously, on the back of this exhibition that is uh, taking place at Con Hill? Naturally, then, it would mean that do me as the curator, you are better placed to sort of kick us off <laughs> in as far as unpacking even the title of your curatorial statement, because you start off by asking the questions, do you know who you are? Let that sink in. Do you know where you come from? Let it sink in. Do you know where you are going? Let it sink in. They seem like simple questions, but... Mm. Not so simple. <laughs> Not so simple to answer. I think, you know, I was at a point where personally I was going through my old journey of trying to find my identity as we do Melo and also trying to find myself in the cultural and heritage space because I come from a tourism background, but then somewhere, somehow art kept coming in. And then I was asking myself these three questions, Omang, Uzakai, Oyakai. And then it was basically, who are you? Me trying to find out who I am, who I am, and how I can also try to translate it within the cultural and heritage sector, which also includes arts. So what I wanted to do is because I'm a writer, I I struggled to get information about artists. Mm -hmm. So I saw this as a way of asking these three questions to know and understand who they are personally, but also as they as through their artistic um, expressions. And that allowed me to, I didn't actually think of it as an exhibition at first. It just 
grew as time went when I was asking myself these questions and talking to creatives and then it came through an embodiment of an exhibition of which now this was the third um, exhibition of this exhibition because I've done it twice already mm -hmm. and this was just like a changing of narrative in using women now this time around and being intentional about the space that I was using because I like to connect heritage spaces or cultural spaces where there's already historical context and significance existing there. Mm -hmm. So now I wanted to change the narrative and the bodies and artistic expressions that I place on top of this heritage and histories that were already there. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I'm a very interesting space and I think uh, you know, we'll get into even the history of the space and how it connects to some of the artists that are featured in the exhibition. For you, Amu, as, as a practicing multidisciplinary artist, I mean, obviously, this is in part, um, you know, in part, it, it connects the work that you do, this conversation, this sort of seeking mm. of who one is and trying to cement one's roots. Mm. Yeah. Mm. For me, I think it, I resonate so much with it because it speaks back to what I communicate through my artistry. One point being African spirituality. And with African spirituality, there's so many elements that we actually take into consideration given the history as well. So within the context of renewing certain principles or experiences within the context of today, this is my way of actually communicating that. And I, particularly speaking back to the pieces that have been um, selected by our curator, they were in alignment with her vision and also complementing what I really do as an artist. I felt that... Um, uh, specifically speaking about one particular piece, which is called Badimu Baba Pelang, there was something interesting that happened with that piece. And it's a, it's just an ongoing conversation that uh, me and Bidi Miller have been in constant um, engagement with, where there was water coming through the piece. You know, it was actualized. The vision was actualized through water bringing back that life or resembling the life that I communicated with that. And it was just so amazing because it was the only piece, right? And it also made me realize the deep connection that each artist that is that find find themselves in that space is able to, you know, connect with to say, there's so much history here. And if you can just maybe engage in a way that um somehow resonates to who you are and where you particularly envision yourself going within your artistry, then it really becomes intentional. And I feel that I have been able, you know, I've been able to connect with it deeper than what I thought, apart from just being an exhibiting artist. Interesting, interesting. When, when one sort of creates work uh, that touches on the past, the present and the future, do you see the responsibility beyond just yourself and your lived experience and your ancestral journey? Do you see the, the sort of the responsibility that comes with being a black female voice in this particular time, connecting two worlds as one? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's very important because I, I honestly connect everything from the source. It has to start with me and that's how I'm able to connect with other females and I think me using female representatives for me to communicate this is very important because I'm a mother of three, I'm a wife, I'm a, I'm a sister, I am a daughter, and 
the relationships that I kind of harness or continue to build actually contribute to the future of how those relationships are going to unfold. And because the present moment that we find ourselves in will in a minute be in our past. So having to consciously create relationships that form uh, a future that is able to thrive within within the kind of engagements that we have is very important to me. So in, in, in my creation, I always try my best to envision these female figures in their utmost posture, right? And within... Uh, how how do I explain this? Within within a context that is very powerful, you are able to experience them in a celestial mm. kind of position where this is how we envision womanhood. This is how we envision femininity. And if somebody is able to engage with that work, however way I have created it, however I have been able to describe it, a person is able to click in their minds to say the current context with which females are being taken into consideration is cannot really be limited to what it is, but there are so many other elements that we need to take into consideration looking at Amu's work, look, looking at other female figures or other male figures who represent that in, in, in a very empowered notion. So, yes. Mm, yes. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Melo, this is now the, the third installation, right? Um, so to speak, the third run. Of, of this particular series. And, and I'm wondering, in terms of the, the theme uh, that anchors it, right, we, we sort of unpacking freedoms and, and what that means, but also um, on the back of our own identities, the back of our own, our own heritage, how do each of the artists that you've selected, um, how do they all tie in into the vision that you have and the conversation that you're trying to have? Well, first and foremost, I think um, when I was doing the artist selection, what I did is uh, I wanted to come with a tourism aspect whereby I'm creating a geographical map within South Africa. And then I know the artists are from Northwest, from the Free State, Gauteng. We have one person that is outside South Africa who's from Botswana, but we roped her in because there was a, an amazing connection with that. So bringing them all together was quite intentional in terms of the geographical aspects, as well as artists, the, their backgrounds, the languages that they speak, their personal experiences as human beings, but also as creatives. So each and every individual has their own story to tell. And I think that is what I wanted to portray and to create conversation, but also appreciation of all these individuals coming together in one space mm -hmm. as a community and the interconnectedness or how wherever we are within South Africa, we somehow, somewhere, somehow have a story where it all brings us together and connect us. And I think throughout the whole process, that's when I found the connections I didn't think that I was going to get because as it went, they were all embracing womanhood or embracing their roots, their heritage and honoring mothers that have been there for them and has groomed them. And then they also came with two artists having a very strong history related to the space as well. That's when they also started speaking about their uncles have been there before. And for me, it was amazing to see how it was unfolding mm. and there was some kind of completion because one thing I also saw was they were all educators 
of which I just learned within the process as we were talking and engaging and how they were collaboratively coming together mm-hmm. and doing their own things as women. I, I embraced that quite well and the journey still continues. I love that the journey still continues. And I think Lisa, from a space, from, you know, just, um, they say walls don't speak. But, but in essence, they do, right? Mm-hmm. They do. And you look at a space like Con Hill. Con Hill has a lot to say. Um, you know, for those joining our conversation, we are, of course, <laughs> we are talking around Constitution Hill. But it has a lot to say because it has a lot of history. Um, and oftentimes, the history that it holds in its fiber is very dark for, for most South Africans. Yeah. You know, I think when we, when we first started talking about the exhibition, when she was looking for space, you know, I was like, you know, at Cornhill, we embrace the notion that, you know, we are a living conscious museum, right? Mm-hmm. Because given our history, we are still trying to remake, rethink, you know, because of the dislocations, relocations that we're still doing. So when, it's, when she said that the exhibition is around, you know, identity, who among Utokai, Oyakai, and I was like, you know, I think Cornhill would be the perfect place, you know, because you have a lot of people coming there, right? Mm-hmm who are still dealing with the past, right? Mm-hmm. Who are in the present and who are trying to envision a kind of future, you know? And I was like, this exhibition presents, you know, an opportunity for people, you know, at least if, you know, to start asking those questions, you know, even when they're walking around, you know, the different, you know, exhibitions on sites or even the cells themselves, the prisons, you know, they will see that, you know, this is where we come from, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there was, you know, a very strong, you know, connection to the exhibition and the space. Mm-hmm. And and the space is, it's got a, an interesting way, right? Because as much as it holds heritage and history, but it's also a very open and inviting space. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes it lends itself to creatives to come through and sort of have that two-way dialogue with it in whatever form. I think, uh, yeah, speaking to that, I think it has to do with, you know, also being a site that is home to the constitution, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, accessibility is, especially for black people, you know, should be one of the most important, mm-hmm. you know, rights that we have because, yeah. you know, it was a place that was used to keep black people inside, you know, yeah. black people who refused, you know, to be demeaned or all, and all of those things, right? So the architecture is deliberate that, you know, it's going to be a space where anyone, you know, can move through, you know, however way they feel like they want to move through. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that was one of the other you know, important factors of the space. So, Amu, from your perspective as as an artist and a creator, how does, like, a space like that, because I, I, I'm trying to almost understand how, how does it interplay with you? Does the fact that it holds all this history in its bones allow you to go to places that ordinarily you wouldn't go to as an artist? Or does it do almost the converse where it kind of restricts because of its gravitas, um, it, it kind of restricts how you frame your conversation with it. Mm. Like I particularly respect the kind of selection that Bitumela has has done because I was able to connect with the artists and also connecting not only with their work but where they come from and how they are able to interpret their history and their present time within you know, artistic context. So for me also, it also speaks back to what I find very important and is an integral part of what I do as an artist. Mm. So I usually, like predominantly, I use recycled materials, right? So within the use of those recycled materials, it goes back to the aspect of renewal. Mm. So we often discard things and discard and just let things be and not find effective ways to reuse them. So for me, it speaks back to how can we take what already exists 
and actually place it within a new context and recreate meaning, you know, where now you're able to attach the past with something new and is able to accommodate the contemporary times with which we exist in. Um, I just love the space aesthetically. It's just amazing. It is very rustic. Um, I just love how it, it was able to accommodate our pieces. It was able to, you know, bring attention to, to the works and just also the design of that space as well. It, it allowed for people to, you know, move freely and just engage with each piece as they should. And for me, it was it was really empowering, of course. And it, it is much better than what a commercial gallery could offer to the specific work that I create. Mm -hmm. I feel that it really complemented so much. It, it, it was it, it was just a perfect relationship with what I do and what the the space is. So, yeah, no. For sure, I would go back again. Yeah, Alicia. Anytime. From a curator's perspective, um, and this is a conversation, and please, I think the three of you can even chime in on this one um, and along as, as we go along. But from a curator's perspective, there's this interesting dialogue. There's this like discourse that young African creators, young African artists are having with, with sort of identity on the one hand, um, you know, how they sort of shifting, changing, moving, interrogating it, but also this freedoms that we talk about all the time because it means something different for your generation, my generation, our parents' generation. Um, and yet the conversation on the continent with, with the younger creators, with, with people who are receiving the work, as much as it is respectful to the history, mm -hmm. also seems like it's dismantling everything mm -hmm. to reassemble it again. Mm -hmm. Am I on the right track? You are. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. And I think one thing that I've been seeing is that there's this political, social, and cultural currencies that's transforming how artists think, but also they are very spiritually connected with what they do now. So now it's with more intention, with more of what you want to communicate. And I think one thing I love is that when you allow the artists to speak about their work, that's when they rope you in more to be deeply connected about their body of work. But also I feel like it's important to understand it so that when you are in a space, you connect it with the space and you connect the works all together in that space. There's a, there's a transition that's happening and I'm also observing. And But there's this richness in um, spirituality. Mm. I, I don't know why. I feel like... I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I was going to say that I think, you know, as a continent, you know, there's more cultural confidence now, you know, because yeah. we no longer, you know, want to be validated by Gucci's and whatever. You yeah. know, I think because it's yeah. something that, yeah. you know, ultimately we are saying, okay, we can make these things, you know, we can make beautiful things. Mm and we can validate ourselves, right? And I think speaking to the spirituality point is that I think eventually it gets there, you know, where you want to know your roots, right? Yeah. And you go home, they say, you need to slaughter a chicken. And you're like, why? You know, and then somehow it finds its way into the work. Yeah. So yeah, I think the bottom line for me would be that there's a there's a cultural confidence, you know, that yeah. that is brewing, you know, and mm -hmm. it's good to see that the youth in front of it. Yeah. yeah, and I think it also stems from the comfortable conversations we are able to have with our elders, right, where now we share realities because they are from a different space and we are here now, where now people are 
sharing more of our history because it has been suppressed for a very long time. And now that it's out there and there isn't any barriers that's actually stopping for that information to be shared, also gives us the confidence to say, hey, people are speaking. Sure. This is something that I've been meaning to speak about. And this is the perfect platform because, I mean, social media really allows for, for that to happen. And I feel that it, 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 will, it forms part of the revolution, right? Podcasts yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I believe we're creating a living archive from where we are presently. Yeah. So mm. we are the living heritage. Yes. Oh, we, like we are creating our archive and I think we have different platforms in terms of how to do this. We are digitalizing it, we're having mm -hmm. it through mm -hmm. conversations, mm -hmm. we're having it on social media, we are writing about it. Mm -hmm. I was listening to this video where Miriam Makeba was saying how do we, 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 we our history is written for us. So why yeah. do we believe that, yeah. you know? So then for me also, the archiving aspect is very crucial mm. because what I did was in the space, we had a 3D virtual tour. Cause I know that even if we are out of the space and the works have been deinstalled, but yeah. we creating another life for the yeah. exhibition, it can exist digitalized, mm. but then the conversations carries on. Mm -hmm. Like right now, mm -hmm. But then we can be words more. It's a huge collective at large, yeah. and yeah, I like that. I like that. I mean, listen. I think if if our grandparents were probably sitting here, on the one hand, they'd be proud, right? And then yeah. on the other hand, they'd be going, "Oh no, but you guys are actually wasting your liberties because mm -hmm. what, what the the conversation that you bring, um, you know, can be superficial." But, but then I think, well, is it superficial or is it relevant? Because they say artists must portray what is of consequence in the now for them, right? They, yeah. they, they sort of, they are the archivers mm. of the present in order for it to be history. Sure. And, and that's often the other point of a sort of discourse is yeah. what conversation are artists having and is it relevant to the now mm. and will it be impactful to the future? Mm. I mean... Do you want to go? Okay, I can go. Your, 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 I voice, mean, your voice was already in yeah, there, so please. No, no, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, right? Because yeah. I remember one of my favorite quotes, I forgot who said it, right? Uh, they said, you know, art is a humanizing thing, right? Because yeah. art teaches us how to be human, yeah. right? How other people live. I mean, that's why we, we draw, because it, it serves a completely different social function, right? Yeah. So I'm guessing the responsibility of an artist, they're manifold, right? There are artists who tell us where we are now as a people. Mm -hmm. There are those who are telling us where we come from, right? Mm -hmm. But we also need those who can imagine where we can go, right? Mm -hmm. Whether it's in song, visual art, whatever. And I think uh, uh, the pressure, we shouldn't like hold artists to a, a singular moment to say, hey, we are black now, let's, let's be black now in this kind of way because yeah. other people might want to be black in a different way, you know, in a different context in the future. So... I don't know, I'm just saying yeah. for me, being an artist is a very fluid thing because yeah. you're negotiating a lot of things at once, you know, and we need to see. I mean, I was telling my other friend the other day that the reason why art is usually recommended in therapy is because to some people, it, it's, it's a completely different world. You know, yeah. there are people who live in art, you know, mm -hmm. they're here, but they're just mm -hmm. in paintings, in songs and movies, mm -hmm. right? Because at some point we look at art, you know, on how to move forward. So I don't know, I think for me, mm -hmm it's a fluid position that an artist yeah. can occupy. Yeah. And I think it also speaks back to um, Bidumela's theme where art exists in all these tenses, right? For me, 
as an artist, the, the conversations has had to start at home with my mother away now. Um, we have different belief systems. Of course, as, as you come up, you, there's a lot of questions. You know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a need for you to really organize yourself in a way that makes sense to, to you and your spirituality. And that often is in conflict with the kind of upbringing that you've had, specifically speaking, maybe to say the religious aspect of mm. things where now you are detaching from that because now you've renewed or relearned something totally. Um, and for me, it, had, it, it continues to be an ongoing conversation with my mom where she now needs to learn who I am, mm. relearn all these, all these things. And that's how I'm able to comfortably speak about my belief systems, what I, I stand up for, what it is that I'm doing, because the parents had to really understand that from the depths to say, this is what the world looks like. They don't have to hear it from other kids outside, but to, to hear it from their own kids to say, Mama, Papa, this is where the world is now and this is where it's going. And my contribution to it is in this format. And I think it really is important for us to have those conversations with our elders and not for them to just find themselves in darkness or confused because of what they see on TV, what they hear or just what they see from, you know, from a long distance. So, yeah, I feel it is very important. And I think what the two of you just said uh, in different ways is so poignant to, to the conversation in this room and outside of this room, right? Because it is a constant negotiation. Mm, yes. We are sort of working our way around at negotiating what is freedoms, what does it look like, what does it mean, how does it play itself out, what is it in terms of identity, in terms of sexuality, in terms of all these roles and tick boxes. Yeah. It's a constant push-pull negotiation mm. to try and sort of... Because individually identity and freedoms, two very, very big words, mm -hmm. you know, and once you segment them into all these boxes, you've got to navigate and negotiate your way through all of it at any given time. I mean, uh, yeah, just to speak to the, yeah. you know, to, to those two and their complexities. Now I'm just thinking of the idea of just even freedoms only, you know, which freedoms, you know, are they, should, should one prioritize, you know, being a woman, you obviously have 500,000 freedoms, you know, <laughs> yeah. that you need to negotiate. Some that people are saying you shouldn't, you know, because of the virtue of you being a woman or whatever, you know. So, yeah, I just think it's a, an interesting combo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But for me, I, I feel that, you know, they are interrelated, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to speak back to my own experience where um, within my own identity, how I envision myself as just being free, managing my own time, doing what I want to do, and speaking back to, you know, um, the kind of vision or the purpose with which I feel needs to be, you know, invested within the time that I exist in now. So there had to be difficult decisions that one needs to make or at least what, how far we are willing to go to actually fight for this freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I know for sure that I don't want anyone managing my time. <laughs> I don't want to be clocking in at eight, leaving at four. That's something, that's just one of... The, yeah, yeah, it's a priority <laughs> for me, you know. I was like, okay, let me go through this hard, rocky road in order for me to be comfortable at, at that at that point where I don't need to really worry about economics. I don't need to worry about my family structure. I don't need to worry about where I'm going at what time. So I feel that they need to have a strong relationship in order for one. Kore that equilibrium. Oh, you forgot. 
So that equilibrium is very necessary between the two so that they can comfortably exist, you know, coexist. So, yeah. I echo what, what Amu is saying. And I think for me, I, I do it, I think of it in an educational kind of form whereby I'm trying to introspect and reflect and identify who I am but also the freedom once I've identified who I am how does it sprout the seed or plant the seeds of mm. what kind of a freedom do I have freedom of education freedom of expression freedom to speak and be vocal about the things that you stand for and not stand for mm. so I echo what she said <laughs> and then I'm wondering, um, you know, we've spoken about a whole a whole bunch of a whole host of things. How does three installations in of an ongoing conversation, how does that sort of change you as a person and how that sort of impacts you as a curator? Because ultimately that filters down into the selection. And this conversation, I'm sure, is very different to the one you had with the first one. So the first one was that it was online. I was in this development curatorial lab and Lashala was part of it too. <laughs> this was in 2021. So it was more online, you know. And then the second one, I did it last year. And it was more focused on colors, compositions, cubism in different areas, but the art design sync. But right now, the it's I don't I don't know it transformed I would say a compounded transformation there's that change <laughs> that occurred but it was quite fluid mm -hmm. and it like nay flow nay flow and I had it was beyond my control but I think I forgot your question <laughs> <laughs> But I can differentiate between the three and I can see the growth of it, but I can also see aspects where it's lacking and where I would have an intention, but not fulfill it the way I would want it to be fulfilled or the more impact that it would do, especially with the writing for in case. Mm. But I feel like this is me packaging it all into these exhibitions, but then I envision it as a book or some sort of a resource that we can always go back into and have these stories of these contemporary artists that we know, some we don't know about, mm -hmm. but also to understand the depth of their creativeness or their creative expressions. Mm. I hope that. So, so I always ask, okay, so I always ask artists to say like, when, when you sort of sit, if you're a painter, for instance, and you sort of sit on a blank canvas, ne? it's you on the canvas. But there's so many compartments of you mm. and the parts that you bring to the canvas are, are reflective of what's going on in you. Yes. But they also can be very different to what's going on in you. And that changes from time to time. It's almost like reading your diary. Yeah. Um, and as an artist, you kind of see yourself evolving. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's not a true reflection yeah. of where you are right now mm -hmm. because maybe you approach the canvas differently for you it's not a cathartic thing. For you, maybe it's not a, a conversation with self. It's just elements of self. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering for you, you know, as just an artist over the years, when, when you sort of come to your medium, has it internally shifted something in you when you look back at your work from where it started to where it is now? 
Is it a reflection of you in any way whatsoever? Or is it conversations that were part of you, but they no longer live in you? Mm. I think for me, it's a continuation of who I envision myself becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's visual prayers, if I should say, because I ultimately want to find myself at my ultimate peace, um, ultimate freedom. And of course, I cannot say that's where I am currently. It's a it's a constant fight for me to to get there. And in my imagination of who I am and also, you know, I'm just reflecting on womanhood, maybe that's the kind of vision that I I hold and that's how I'm able to visually interpret that. Mm -hmm. And of course, there will always be elements of of myself within each piece that I create because I should, it should touch me in in a way that I dedicate time and effort into creating a piece that speaks to that. And for me, I will continue on the journey of bringing that empowerment through visual arts where I envision a better future through um, those those creations. Mm. Oh, did you hear? She just peace. Peace was a freedom in that. Like I I picked that up because you you know what I mean. Yeah. The the constant sort of seeking for that freedom of peace. Yeah. Like which yeah. I think sometimes even when we have these conversations, we almost you want it to be a tangible thing, right? Yeah. When we talk, um, you know, if we we tying it back to the space that that we are hosting this in. And it being perceived as, I'm not just going to say the South African Center of Human Rights, but I'm going to say the African Center of Human Rights. Mm. The physical space, and then if you sort of vibrate it through the neighborhood um, that it finds itself in, it's very much centered around human rights for all of us as Africans. And when we when we think about it, and Amu just put me into that thought, when we think about the, these sort of freedoms and, and liberties and, and things like that, we think them tangible. We think them, but sometimes it's the emotive. Yeah. Sometimes it's the stuff that there's no descriptive for. Yeah. It's it's the, the personal internal mm. thing for you. It is the freedom for you to find peace, mm. to hold on to mm. peace and to be able to value peace mm-hmm. The same way that someone else values the liberty of walking freely or the liberty of, of you know, having a meal or housing. Mm-hmm. Peace mm-hmm. is is centered. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. <laughs> I mean, am I leaving you with that thought? No, I'm not. <laughs> what would you want the takeaway to be, Lishole, for anybody? Look, now I'm fluctuating between Lishole and Lishole because, you no, know, in the group, <laughs> we're wow. using all dialects. <laughs> <laughs> what would you want the takeaway to be, Lisole, for anybody who comes not only to interact with the exhibition, but to take it in in where it's holding space? Yeah, it's a big one uh, because I, I really enjoy people really immersing themselves in art, right? So I'm guessing the takeaway for me would be, you know, to really think about the questions that the exhibition poses, you know, beyond just the ones on the walls. You know, the artworks, you know, Omang, Ujokai, Uyakai, you know. And I think especially where we are now, you know, as a continent and as a country in particular, you know, it's very important for us to know, you know, who we are, you know, Ujokai, Uyakai. And I think that would, you know, in some way help in building, you know, a country and ultimately a continent that we can say, you know what, Africa is our time, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So yeah, that would be the takeaway for me. And your takeaway, madam? Sure. I mean, you asked the question. <laughs> the thing is, it's difficult questions to answer because I tried to ask them myself to myself, and they they're tough. But I think, for me, it's asking those three questions comes with a very positive connotation. Mm-hmm. It has nothing negative. It's not allowing you to overthink too much, but to deeply connect with who you are and root yourself for where you would want to see yourself. Because I feel like everything is not possible without a community. Mm-hmm. So one should also be able to. Get those pointers of when you're asking yourself these questions. You're not alone. You know there were yeah. people before you. There were people with you, mm-hmm. and there will always be people in the future that will be there with you. So my takeaway is resilience, peace, like Amos said, yeah. but also freedom of expression and freedom of you being, and freedom of you loving yourself, and knowing that. If we are a community, we go forward, and we need to build something which has a foundation. Because if you don't know where we coming from, mm-hmm. we are not able to build that sustainable foundation. Mm-hmm. So we need sustenance. We need to connect and be honest with who we are and with who we are as a collective, so that we can lay that foundation. And not only through your art, but through yourself, through your family, through your friends, and the broader context of having a larger community. Mm. So the takeaway is resilience and know thyself, love thyself. <laughs> so that's my takeaway, and always to remember those questions. You know, let them sink in, but let them sink in with intention, mm. with grace, with positivity, and yeah, that's my takeaway. <laughs> okay, so for me, I think. I mean, obviously, I have to come through and interact with with the exhibition and and interact with the space. Well, the space I've interacted with before, but to to sort of see it in dialogue with the work that you've collected, um, because I think, like all you guys, I, I sort of reiterate that you've asked very important questions, and these are constantly changing questions, and it's important for work to sort of bring a discourse and bring a dialogue, but also to shift something in you emotionally. Because I just, from the conversations I've had with African creators, African artists here on the continent, there is a resurgence where people are trying to reimagine identity, to reimagine any show that I do. The premise of it, I always say, is unpacking who we are, but who might we have been had we not been interrupted? So had other factors not come into play? You know Mm. what I mean? Mm. Whatever, whatever they are, colonialism, Mm. apartheid, Mm. capitalism, Mm. who would we have been had we had the right and the fortitude for self-determination as Africans? Mm. And it speaks to what you were saying Mm. about some artists' jobs is to imagine the impossible, you know, the imagine the unattainable. And I find that, from all these kinds of conversations and from conversations with other creatives and other artists, slowly but surely in all of our respective places, everyone's putting in a little piece of the puzzle and a little piece of the puzzle. But where we all converge is this need of saying, we are reclaiming ourselves for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And whatever we decide that looks like, Mm -hmm. that's who we are in this moment. Mm -hmm. Because again, it's fluid and it will change Mm -hmm. with the next generation and the next generation. 
that's it. I hope I answered you. <laughs> and on that note, uh, thank you so much for allowing me to, to be in conversation with you guys. Um, I think we had a good conversation. Um, I think there's been some really cool takeaways for it. And I think the one thing that anyone listening, I hope they walk away with the sense of firstly wanting to engage the work. And if they happen to miss the work, then at least allow this to spark with you your own internal dialogue about your own identity, mm. about the things that are predisposed in you, the, the things that challenge you, the things that excite you, um, because all those things sort of filter into the thematics that you're trying to bring forward in the understanding of what our freedoms are, uh, what they mean now, what they'll mean later, what they mean to you, what they mean to someone else in understanding and negotiating identity, which is a constant shift, um, you know, so, yeah, thank you, guys. Thank you for having us. And, of course, we appreciate Basa for powering this conversation. Like, may it be the first of many more. 